Today is Wednesday, July the 20th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, I look back at the day that was in Atlanta, Georgia, as the hype and buzz around Beamer Ball continues to build at SEC Media Days. Guys, I'll give my full reaction and thoughts to everything that Shane Beamer, Jovan Gwynn, Dakarion Joyner, and Zach Pickens had to say yesterday. Also, guys, we continue along with the 2022 opponent preview series today. We're talking the Gamecocks week two opponent, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Guys, I'll talk the Razorbacks head coach how they fared a season ago their best returning players on offense and defense and I'll give my overall outlook for Arkansas heading in a year three of the Sam Pittman era and how that game figures to play out on South Carolina's schedule also guys we have your listener questions and a fantastic conversation a great interview with former South Carolina defensive back Brian Elam guys we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday and of course as always it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and when you do use that promo code SPURSUP to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Guys, whatever you need tickets to, they have got it. Whether it be Gamecock sporting events, concerts, comedy club events, they've also got what's called a deal score. So when you go to their website or you go to their app, they're going to tell you exactly where you're sitting, how much you're paying. So you're going to know, hey, I'm getting ripped off or I'm getting a steal. When you click that buy button, you're going to know you're getting the most bang for your buck and you're going to have all the confidence you need when purchasing your ticket. So again, guys, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app, go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do use that promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Run through 
a brick wall. Listening to Shane Beamer speak on your football team all day long will do that. Folks, happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show as always. We have got a packed show for you and a lot to get into. I'm fired up. And if you're not fired up after yesterday, you must not have a pulse. Again, I appreciate you all tuning in. I hope this show does find you well, no matter where you are, what you are doing. Guys, a couple quick reminders before we really get rolling into everything. Of course, tonight, as you all know, no tin roof tonight, no tin roof next week. Our final tin roof show in case you missed it, will be Wednesday, August the 3rd, 6 to 8. There will be no more tin roof shows after that, at least in our normal Wednesday slot. So, again, I just want to remind you all so you don't go to tin roof tonight expecting us to be there and you show up and we are not. There is no tin roof show tonight in the Vista in Columbia. Neither one next week, Wednesday, August the 3rd, is our final appearance. Stay tuned for details to that. Um, also, guys, again, we've got a great interview on today's show, and the TSUS tour begins tomorrow at Carolina Ale House in Somerville. Again, guys, in case you missed it over the next seven weeks, we'll be touring across the state and visiting each and every single Carolina Ale House location. That includes Somerville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach, Fort Mill, downtown Greenville, Woodruff Road, and Augusta. All of those locations I mentioned, the tour dates are on social media specifically. We have them pinned to our Instagram at the very top. So if you want to know when we're going to be in your city, look there. Guys, I'm really excited. Cannot wait to see all the Somerville Gamecocks first thing tomorrow. We're going to have the new Beamer Ball rally towels, which will be completed and I will have on hand for tomorrow's TSUS tour. Also, those will be on sale via our online store beginning tomorrow so keep a lookout for that i'm gonna have those at every single location again the beamer ball rally towels i'll have beamer ball and welcome home koozies we're gonna have swag to give away we're gonna do q a it's gonna be a great time for us to all fellowship talk gamecocks and just get ready for kickoff as we now sit just 45 days away until toe meets other and guys just 16 days away until the beginning of fall camp it is just around the corner. On that note, let's go ahead and dive into it. Shane Beamer's got a knack for winning SEC Media Days, doesn't he? And that's what we're talking. SEC Media Days, the Gamecocks were in Atlanta yesterday, as you all know, and it started early in the morning. Shout out to Justin King and the media team, because I really feel like, you know, we knew Shane Beamer would hold his own and handle his business behind the podium and talking to the media. And, you know, after year one, I think we all feel comfortable in saying that Beamer has this infectious personality. He's got a smile that lights up a room and he's able to sell Carolina football as well as any coach has ever done. But he also, I think, has great acting skills or something, or he's got a knack for TikTok because the Gamecocks won the day early with the TikTok video with the Soldier Boy, the, the TikTok trend. And if you're not on TikTok, you'll probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But the trend where there's a mic hanging down from the ceiling and you take the mic and you're singing, you're rapping, you're dancing, what have you. And, and South Carolina did that. And that video, I think, now is sitting over $1 million views, by the way, which is absolutely crazy. And again, just continues to build the brand of South Carolina football. But to the podium and to the actual event, you know, taking in Shane Beamer's comments. And again, guys, I know it's talking season, right? Let's make this very clear. Games are not won and lost at SEC Media Days, right? It has really no impact and no bearing on what happens this fall. 
but it's hard not to get excited. It's hard not to get fired up. We're also starved for football. We're also starved to hear updates about our team. You know, yeah, we know fall camps around the corner. We know the season's close, but we don't want to wait, right? College football fans, Gamecock fans specifically, we're like bad doctors. We don't have any patience. So sitting there watching Coach Beamer, I was locked in the lab all day long yesterday, glued my TV, as I'm sure you were all as well. The first thing that really jumped out to me about Shane Beamer, and this is not to say that he did not have a great performance last year, because I thought he did, right? For a first-year head coach, his first ever time at SEC Media Days, um, I thought he knocked it out the park. I think most fans, certainly Gamecock fans, would agree that he knocked it out of the park in his first ever appearance last year. But I felt like Shane Beamer looked so much more comfortable and so much more. I think you know what the reason is? I think because he's so much more confident in what he has with his football team this year. Now, was there anything specifically, I think, that jumped out that is anything that was out of the ordinary that I, that I didn't expect Shane Beamer to say? Not necessarily. I think he did a great job, by the way. You know, we talked about Spencer Rattler and, and him not going to SEC media days and how much of a quote-unquote bummer that was. And that was taking nothing away from Jovan Gwynn, Dak Joyner, and Zach Pickens. That was just simply stating from the content perspective and wanting to see our guy. It was. It felt like it was a bit unfortunate he wasn't going to be there. But I think what you saw yesterday and, and the big point you heard guys drive home all day long, everyone that went – was making it about the team, right? It isn't just one individual player. It's not just Spencer Rattler. It's not just Antoine Wells. It's not just Christian Bill Smith or Devonnie Reed. It's not just Zach Pickens or, or one individual dude. It's about a team. And I think the reason you saw that calmness and you saw that confidence from Shane Beamer, I don't think Shane Beamer stood in front of that podium yesterday and, and felt like, you know, we've got the team. We should be picked to win the SEC. If you listen to his appearance, especially on Feinbaum, you know, he mentioned, hey, we were inconsistent last year, right? We have things we've got to work on. We've got to get better. I thought Shane Beamer did a great job of injecting perspective while also being positive and optimistic. But I, but I saw a sense of, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, which I guess is what we do this time of year, right? We just read way too much into things. But I saw a, a calmness. I saw a, a cool, calm, and collected character behind the podium yesterday, behind the mic. And again, I think that goes back to last year, Shane Beamer had never won a game. He had never even coached a game before, and he had a football team that had won a combined six ball games in the last two seasons. Now you come off a season, you've won the Dukes Mayo Bowl, you won some big-time games last year, you had a lot of success. And again, guys, I've talked about this before with players, but it applies with coaches as well. It's the chicken or the egg conversation, right? Because you need confidence to be successful. But it takes having some success to build confidence. Well, I think South Carolina last year, these players, this coaching staff, this fan base, everyone involved with this program, we were able to get a little bit of confidence and success, especially at the end of the season. Again, when you win your last ball game, guys, it completely changes everything. You can sit there and say bowl games don't matter till you're blue in the face. But I tell you what, you look at South Carolina, you look at this program and how much beating UNC meant in that Duke's Mayo Bowl, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that bowl games don't matter. Because I tell you what, if you'd have lost that game to UNC, I think the conversation around South Carolina football is totally different than what it is right now. I think winning your last game of the season is that powerful. But again, nothing really crazy 
that I thought jumped off the page from Shane Beamer. That's not to say he didn't say anything important, but uh, he, he wasn't throwing zingers out there like a Steve Spurrier would do or, or anything crazy like that. Um, just going back through the quotes, I, I will say this. The 24-7 beat reporter for Georgia that got the final question in somehow, some way, that asked him about the Georgia tight end room. Um, how, how do I say this? I, I'm not even going to be polite about it, guys. This is why many of you, and I, this is sort of a side note, but many of you ask about credentials and the Spurs up show, and are you getting credentials? You're doing this. Guys, that moment and that question and that scenario, that is an example of why credentials and having quote-unquote access does not mean diddly squat when it comes to legitimacy, when it comes to having any sort of a feel, when it comes to not being a slap dick. So I just want to put that out there. The, the most absurd, ridiculous, the fact Shane Beamer was asked about the, like the Georgia tight end room. South Carolina's got one of the best tight end rooms in the SEC. Ask him about our tight end room. And I thought Shane Beamer handled the question as good as you could do. But why are you going to ask Shane Beamer about, about the Georgia tight end room. How does that make any sense? Anyways, I'm going to get off that before I say something I shouldn't. Um, but you look through his comments, you know, again, I, I thought it was pretty Sanders stuff. I think what Shane Beamer did a great job and really what SEC Media Day serves as, it serves as an opportunity for each and every single one of these coaches, by the way, to sell your program. Uh, I, I thought when he talked about NIL, I thought he really took that time to sell the program and what South Carolina's got to offer. He said, quote, I think we're equipped as well as any program in the country. We're in the capital city of South Carolina. We're the only show in town. We don't compete with other pro sports in our state. And the fan base, it's evident how powerful it is. I, I mean, again, that's just Shane Beaver saying, hey, guys, all the prospects, all recruits, all transfer portal guys who are considering USC, you can come here, achieve everything you want, and also, guess what? NIL, well, that's a prominent thing here, too. And every opportunity that you want to take advantage of, look at the guys on our roster that are doing so. I, I did love the fact, by the way, that Shane Beamer, of course, was asked about Spencer Rattler. And he made this point that I knew what his record was, but I did not realize this. Spencer Rattler, guys, the next time somebody, a, a Clemson slap dick or a Georgia slap dick or just a slap dick in general comes across at you, about Spencer Rattler and how his career in Norman ended and just his future at South Carolina. Spencer Rattler is 15 and two as a starter. Guys, he lost his first two starts, right, as a starting quarterback. That means Rattler is 15 and 0 in his last 15 when he's under center starting the ballgame. This dude is a winner. This dude, there's a reason Shane Beamer wanted him so badly to come to South Carolina. And Spencer Rattler is one of the biggest reasons why this football team is catching so much hype. And I'll tell you that, that was one of the other big things from yesterday. Guys, it has been a very long time. A very long time. And I know some of you might hate it. I love it. It's been a long, long time since I feel like, or I've seen the Gamecocks get as much hype at SEC Media Days as they got yesterday. You got Takeo Spikes picking South Carolina to beat Georgia in week three. You've got Jordan Rogers out here saying that the Gamecocks are the second best team in the SEC East. And if some things break right, could challenge, could maybe challenge Georgia 
right? You've got multiple people on the panel picking the Gamecocks to be that team that could break out this year. You've got Tim Tebow and Rodgers and these guys picking Spencer Rattler as the second and third best quarterback in the SEC. The buzz around Beamer Ball and the buzz around South Carolina football, again, it's SEC media days. It's talking season. Let's all keep that in mind. Just because you say something that sounds good and makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, it, it doesn't mean that you're going to win a certain amount of football games. That's why it's called talking season, and we kick it off. That is the real season, right? But it does feel good to have some real expectations. And like I told you guys before, going into last season, right, we had hype and excitement and buzz around Columbia because it was something new. It was a change. The Will Muschamp era beat us so far down that we weren't even excited about game day anymore. We felt like, you know what, finally, at least we've got a guy in there, no matter what the record is, no matter if we lose, at least we've got a guy that we feel like he loves USC, he's a Gamecock, he understands this place, he knows what makes this place special, he's cut his teeth here, and we're going to go to battle with one of our own. And the beautiful thing is, guys, we still have that. Shane Beamer is still all of those things. But what's so awesome now, a year later, Guys, we have real, legitimate, on-field reason to be hype and excited and fired up for South Carolina football. You've got a veteran offensive line returning. Let's, let's just put on garnet glasses for just a second, right? You've got a veteran offensive line returning. You've got Spencer Rattler under center, the highest-rated quarterback based off recruiting rankings, what have you, accolades, if you will, the highest-rated quarterback to ever step foot on your campus, a guy that was once considered the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy and was once considered potentially the number one draft pick in the NFL draft, right? We're talking about that type of talent level. You've got your leading receiver back. Heck, you've got 93% per SEC network, 93% of your offensive production returns. You also add to that offensive production – Antoine Wells, who was an FCS record-setting wide receiver, and everyone you talk to, they say he might be or is better than Josh Van, right? You had a guy like Christian Beale Smith, who was the leading ball carrier on a Wake Forest offense, one of the best offenses in college football a season ago. You've got guys like Juju McDowell, Jaheim Bell, who is set to break out and be one of the most lethal weapons in the SEC. Oh, by the way, also at tight end, you add Austin Stogner, who was Spencer Rattler's good buddy, and who is probably, again, one of the better tight ends or will be one of the better tight ends in this league. On the defensive side, well, all you got is a defense that overachieved in year one under Clayton White, Torian Gray, Jimmy Lindsey, and there's more talent, you could argue, on this defense. They've got more to work with this year than they had a year ago when they overachieved, had a top 10 pass defense in the country and improved on their points per game average from 2020 to 2021 by 12 points per game. Have I sold you yet on why you should be excited? Now, I'm not lobbying to say I've dropped my predictions. I'm at eight and four, four and four. I'm not budging off of that. But there are real, legitimate, on-field reasons to be excited. And, hey, 
the proof's in the pudding. Shane Beamer saying, quote, our season ticket renewal is the highest it's been in over 10 years. You combine all those on-field reasons with Shane Beamer's infectious personality, with the fact that he loves USC, he believes in this place, he says all the right things, and it feels like he doesn't just talk the talk, but he walks the walk as well. South kind of football is in a great place, and I feel like the people within SEC Network, and I feel like people around college football and certainly at the SEC, they are taking notice and we're all feeling it. I, I think we're all feeling the same buzz at this point. And again, I, I will continue to be that person that preaches on perspective and, and do not get too far ahead of yourself. This thing's going to take time. But the reality is this, guys, last year at this time, we were all excited and hype and pumped up because it was just something different. It, it was a change. It was like, let's just make game day fun again. Now, there's real on-field reason to be hype and excited and fired up for Gamecocks football. And again, picking up off of what Shane Beamer said, his demeanor, his aura at SEC media days, I think he knows that. I think he knows he has a good football team. Again, nobody's saying they're going to win the SEC. Nobody's saying they're going to win a national championship. But I think Shane Beamer knows that they overachieved, quote-unquote, overachieved last year, at least if nothing else exceeded expectations. I think he feels like they've got a team to do that yet again because most are still picking South Carolina guys, whether you like it or not, to go six and six. The over-under win total in Vegas at most places is around six. Some places have it at five and a half. I think Beamer and company know they've got the football team to exceed those expectations. That's what I took away from what Shane Beamer had to say yesterday. Uh, as far as Jovan Gwynn, the carry-on joiner, and Zach Pickens, nothing too crazy. I will say this, Zach Joyner's suit won the day. I mean, that dude looked absolutely fresh. I absolutely love, like, the South Florida look and, like, the, the peach type of vibes, the shoes. It all went together. Zach Joyner is living his best life after that Duke's Mayo Bowl performance. Uh, Jovan Gwynn, Zach Pickens, really preaching the same things, talking about Spencer Rattler, what it's like to play for Beamer. All positive vibes when it comes to Gamecocks football yesterday at SEC Media Days. And just excited to watch that continue, man. Excited to watch that carry in a fall camp and, of course, kick off. And, again, you don't win games on the field this time of year. You don't win games in talking season. But winning at the podium and, and winning with the media – that is part of it, right? Especially in this world that we live in where, hey, yesterday was a dream for yours truly. Yesterday was a content creator's dream where it's just like, quote, 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 video, video, quote, quote. I mean, we probably had like 17 posts yesterday on Instagram alone. So winning at the podium, being able to talk with the media, being able to talk that talk is something that's necessary and is a big part of it. 45 days until we can see, we can start to find out, will the Gamecocks be able to walk that walk? So I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. What did you think about Shane Beamer's comments at SEC Media Days yesterday? Okay, guys, let's move into our 2022 opponent preview series today. We are talking the Gamecocks week two opponent, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Before we do, guys, you all want to make some money this football season, right? Hey, college players are making money off NIL. Why shouldn't fans make money. And I know many of you out there are big-time gamblers. You bet on the spreads. You bet on the over-unders. You bet on the totals. Why not bet on prop plays with our friends at Prize Picks? I tell you what, guys, they're handing money out this football season like it's freaking candy. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you sign up, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match 
up to $100. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market folks around prop total entries. Here's how it works. You pick two to five players. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's just you against the projection. Price Picks allows the mixed sport entry. So, for example, guys, you can take the over on Spencer Rattler, parlayed with the under on Matt Ryan, parlayed with the over on LeBron. You can play mixed sports. And again, guys, as I mentioned before, how many other books can you play college prop totals? That right there alone is the reason you should be using Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Again, guys, they are handing money out like candy this season. It's so easy to win and win big with our friends over at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 when you sign up. Again, guys, Price Picks. Appreciate our friends over at Price Picks for their love and support of the Spurs Up show. Go sign up today and let's win big and break the bookie this football season okay guys again we are moving into our week two opponent preview the arkansas razorbacks gamecocks travel to fayetteville saturday september the 10th a noon kickoff at donald w reynolds razorback stadium when you look at the series between these two schools again you might recall both schools joined the sec in 1992 and this used to be a yearly matchup arkansas leads the matchup 13 to 10 overall. The last meeting, though, 2017, the Gamecocks did get the better of Arkansas. You might recall that game, 48 to 22. South Carolina had a very, very big day at Williams Bryce Stadium, a couple of defensive touchdowns. I remember I was in the building for that one. Gamecocks are wearing black helmets. Garnet tops and black pants. Don't ask me how I remember that, but uh, that was a very, very fun day at williams Bryce Stadium, I guess back before we all knew that Will Muschamp was indeed a slap dickhead coach. Either way, though, South kind of did get the best of Arkansas the last time the two teams met. Arkansas, a team sort of like South Carolina, where there's a lot of buzz and they're on the up and up. Last season, Sam Pittman's squad went 9-4 and four overall, 4-4 four and four in SEC play, and won the Outback Bowl. More on their 2021 season in just a second. Let's break down the Razorbacks, move into their head coach. I just mentioned Sam Pittman entering his third year, 12 and 11 overall in two seasons. He has done a fantastic job with this Arkansas program. And I feel like Pittman is a guy a lot like Beamer in the sense of you speak on culture. And, and, and I know fans get so tired of hearing that because it's 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 overused, it's repeated over and over and over again. But it is such a big deal finding the right culture fit for a program, especially when you look at a school like Arkansas, right, where it's it's tougher to win at a school like Arkansas than, say, in Alabama, than, say, a Georgia, than, say, any of your blue bloods, right? So finding the right fit is very important. You look at what Pittman's done. I think he has fully embraced the Arkansas community. He's obviously done a fantastic job of recruiting there. When I think of Arkansas, you know, I think of run game. I think of physicality. I think of toughness. I think of a team that you just simply do not not want to play and Sam Pittman squad they exemplify each and every single one of those characteristics and many many more positive ones as well so again Pittman's done a great job there are positive vibes around him being the Arkansas head coach and they are all very excited down there calling the hogs excited to see what Pittman can do in his third season you feel like the third season at least if you listen to the talking heads in college football the third season's the one that generally tells you 
what is the trajectory and what direction is your program going? So a very, very big year for Sam Pittman indeed. When you look at how they fared in year two of the Pittman era in the 2021 schedule, let's look back and take a look. Arkansas won their first four games of the season, beating Rice in week one. They beat Texas at home in week two, which was a big-time matchup. It was probably one of the worst picks I had last season, by the way, when I do my SEC gambling picks. I had Texas getting the dub in that one, and Arkansas didn't just beat Texas. I mean, they dragged them 40-21 to 21 in that ball game. They then beat Georgia Southern, beat Texas A&M in Arlington by a score of 20-10, to 10, which is a big one. That set up a huge matchup on the road in Athens, and Georgia dismantled them just like they did everybody else last year, beat them 37 to nothing in that game. That was the first of three straight losses for Arkansas. They then lost to Ole Miss the following week, 52 to 51. Then they lost to Auburn in a really tough game. They bounced back, though, winning three straight against Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Mississippi State, and then at LSU. And then they lost to Alabama in a tough game, 42 to 35, before winning their season finale against Missouri, 34 to 17, to finish eight and four in the regular season. They then went to the Outback Bowl and beat the Penn State Nittany Lions by a final score of 24 to 10, capping off a nine and four season again, four and four in conference play and Outback Bowl champion. So a very, very good second year in Arkansas was not a team last year that was expected to do a whole lot. And again, Pittman really flexing his muscles as a coach and led that crew to a fantastic year in 2021. Let's look a little deeper at this Arkansas roster, specifically their best returning players on offense and defense. We'll start on the offensive side. And the guy that makes everything tick, the guy that makes everything go, and we've been talking about as Gamecock fans, Spencer Rattler and what his addition means, well, Arkansas's got a pretty good one under center as well, and that is K.J. Jefferson, thought by a minute to be, again, one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC. You look at his numbers last year, 198 for 294, 2,676 yards through the air, 21 touchdowns and four interceptions. He's also lethal with his legs, 146 carries a season ago, 664 yards and six touchdowns. Again, guys, like I said, he is thought by most to be one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC, and he's most certainly the best returning player on this offense. And if Arkansas is going to have another big year, and God forbid if they're going to improve on that nine-win mark from a season ago, it is going to be a lot due to the fact that K.J. Jefferson will have an all-SEC type of season. And again, he will lead this offense that has weapons, certainly, but it begins and ends with his ability to be a dual threat option to throw the football, but also run, use his legs, improvise. Again, Jefferson, a great athlete and a great quarterback as well for the Razorbacks. Let's look at the best returning player on defense for Arkansas. And this dude is a tackling machine, probably going to break the all-time Arkansas record for tackles this season. Linebacker Bumper Pool last year led the team 125 tackles, seven and a half tackles for lost guys, back-to-back -back seasons. This kid has had over 100 tackles, and he leads a very physical group on that defensive side. Um, Arkansas, you look at their stats last year, though. What's surprising, they were ninth in the SEC stopping the run and 69th nationally they were six in the sec stop in the past 41st nationally you know six in the sec points per game 39th nationally so 
they were good defensively. You would think with a guy like Poole, they would have been a lot better stopping the run. That's what jumped off the page at me. But overall, again, they've got that nastiness. They've got that physicality. And Poole is the guy in the middle that the Gamecocks will most certainly have to account for. When you look at the overall outlook of Arkansas, nine starters return. That's not that many. Just five on offense, four on defense. And again, guys, year three of the Pittman era, similar to South Carolina. There's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of momentum. And again, you talk to most, they will tell you year three is the year where you really, you feel like it determines what is the trajectory? Where is this program going? What are we supposed to think about Arkansas football under Sam Pittman? Was year two a fluke? Are they really not that good? Or is this a trend where Arkansas is moving up the SEC West hierarchy and is now going to be one of those teams you've got to worry about? And that maybe, maybe, could be up there with the likes of a Texas A&M, an Alabama, an LSU, et cetera. Again, K.J. Jefferson, he's going to be the storyline for the Hogs on the offensive side among the SEC's elite at that position. And then Bumper Pool on the defensive side, as he eyes the Arkansas tackles record, going to lead them in the defense as well. They return four players in the secondary, so you, you would think the pass defense will take a step forward, should be one of the best in the SEC. But when it comes to this matchup in week two, I think for the Gamecocks specifically, and really for both sides, but for the Gamecocks, this is going to be a great early test of South Carolina's physicality, right? We, we're going to spend the entire preseason, the next 45 days. You've already been talking already, but we're going to spend even more time for the next 45 days talking about this offensive line. And that's going to be the question mark for this football team going into the season because of how porous they were running the football and protecting the quarterback. Can South Carolina do that? Can they be physical enough in this game? Again, Pittman is a line of scrimmage guy. We all know his background, being at the University of Georgia, coaching offensive line. He's going to have Arkansas ready to bully that Gamecocks defensive line and the offensive line as well. South kind of will have to be sound on both lines of scrimmage. And again, we are talking about a USC team. Couldn't run the ball, couldn't stop the run. That physicality will be tested. We'll know a lot about this football team after week two in that regard. And like I've said before, guys, my final thing on this game is this. It's not the most important game of the season. I want to make that very clear. South Carolina can lose to Arkansas and still achieve all of their goals in this season. I know that's hard for some of you to really wrap your brain around, but it's the truth, right? Week two does not define the entire 2022 season. However, with that being said, this is the biggest swing game of the season for USC. And what I mean by that is this. You lose to Arkansas. Hey, you can start one and two, guys. We've already talked about this. All of your goals are still on the table. There are still plenty of swing games you can take advantage of and get that seven or maybe even eight win mark, which will be a great mark in year two of Shane Beamer. You win that week two matchup in Fayetteville against the Hogs throughout all preseason predictions and projections out the window right? Because you'll be going into that matchup against Georgia at home 2-0. If you beat Arkansas on the road, I think that will show you are a good football team. You're not going to win that game against the Hogs unless you are a good football team. South Carolina is a team that struggled on the road a season ago. To win on the road in the SEC, you've got to be a solid football team. And to beat Arkansas at their place, which is a very tough place to play, one of the more underrated venues in the SEC, South Carolina will have to show they are a good football team if you win this football game and you start 2-0, and 
sky's the limit for this team. I'm not saying SEC East Championship or anything like that. I think we all agree Georgia still runs things, and we'll talk more about Georgia on the Friday show in their opponent preview. But you win this game. It is the biggest swing game of the season. You win this, you start 2-0. Eight wins, maybe even nine comes into play, and there are a lot of possibilities that otherwise would not exist if you did not achieve victory in this ball game. So again, it is the biggest swing game. It is a fantastic opportunity. The Gamecocks will be an underdog. I don't think it'll be a major underdog. I think it will be single digits, but this is a great early test and a great early opportunity for this football team to show, hey, we are ahead of schedule. It's a great opportunity for Spencer Rattler to show, hey, I am legit. I am here. I'm ready to rock. I'm the dude you all think I was, or I'm better than you even thought I was. This is a big one. This is a big one. Biggest swing game of the season for sure. And again, cannot wait for that week two matchup against Arkansas. It's going to be a good one. I know there's a lot of Gamecocks going to Fayetteville that are going to take that in. We will, of course, be throwing a watch party at one of our Carolina Alehouse locations, but it is going to be a really fun one for sure and a great early test for both sides. Um, guys, before we get out of here really quickly, I want to dive into your listener questions. We've got just a couple on this topic. PJ Kramer 18 says, I never thought of Arkansas as a powerhouse. What is their threat? Great question. Again, PJ Kramer 18, I think their threat, again, it all starts up front. The physicality and the offensive and the defensive line of scrimmage, and that was South Carolina's weakness a season ago. You then look at KJ Jefferson and his dual threat capability. Also on the offensive side, I didn't even mention their weapons on the outside. They bring back Warren Thompson at wide receiver, Jaden Hazelwood, the former five-star prospect, former Oklahoma receiver. He transferred in from the portal. That's going to be a great addition for them. They've got four of five starters back on the offensive line, which is one of the reasons that I picked Arkansas to beat South Carolina in my predictions because I just think that physicality and that experience up front, I think it will be the difference in the ballgame. Trey Knox is a senior at tight end. This is a very veteran team. The defensive side, they replace a lot of guys, but you look at their defensive front, junior, senior, junior, senior. You then go to linebacker, senior, junior, junior. You then go to the, the secondary, junior, 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 senior. They are a veteran team. They are a very savvy team for sure. And again, I, I do think there's a lot of buzz and electricity and excitement in Arkansas. You look at how they fared last year so again uh Kramer that's just a couple of the reasons but it is a very winnable game for South Carolina I want to make that clear but on their home field as well I think there's a reason of course that Arkansas will be favored but like I mentioned it is a huge huge opportunity for USC Ben Smitty 2017 says South Carolina has traditionally really struggled against dual threat QBs do you see us stopping KJ and Ben Smitty that's another great point another great question I think it will be a challenge for sure. I'm just, what I'm so excited is I'm not going to be drawing conclusions necessarily after week two, but we are going to learn a lot. Inevitably, we're going to learn a lot in week two, just about where is this football team? Like, like what are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What are the glaring problem areas this team has to fix and fix quickly? You're going to find that out because there's going to be nowhere to hide, right? Right. KJ Jefferson is going to make you pick. Hey, are you taking away the pass or are you taking away the run? I think that South Carolina's best bet in that game is to make KJ Jefferson one dimensional. And, but, uh, you know, South Carolina has struggled. They have struggled traditionally. And so it will be tough. Um, I think it'll be really, really tough for them to stop him. Final question The or T Heel K Mister says, Do you think if the halftime score is ugly, they'll pull Spencer? Rattler. Well, I don't even want to think the score would be that ugly in the sense of we'd be down by that much. Um, 
I'll tell you this, guys, just a total side note. I think the only way Spencer Rattler is removed from a game for South Carolina this year is whether the Gamecocks are up by 100 or he gets injured. I just just do not see any scenario in which Spencer Rattler gets benched. Because you know what? Even if we limp to a 6-6 and season, you can't convince me there's anybody on that bench that's better than he is or gives us a better chance to win. So, no, I don't think it matters what happens. Spencer Rattler will not be taken out of the game. So, that's going to do all for my questions, guys. I appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all always, by the way, guys, for being so engaging. You know, I've had conversations with people about social media and followers, and, you know, we we talk to people like Carolina Alehouse and different business partners and vendors and and, uh, sponsors and stuff like that, and they always talk about followers, how many followers, but I always make the point to tell them that, you know what, it's not just about the fact that we have X amount of followers on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever. It's the fact that the followers we have rock with us so heavy and are so engaging and you guys comment and you like and you you reshare and you retweet and we have banter and that's what makes it special that's what makes TSUS what it is and again I cannot say thank you all enough so guys that's going to do all for me appreciate you all tuning in but don't go anywhere we got a great conversation upcoming like I said no tin roof tonight the TSUS tour will get going tomorrow from Somerville hope to see all my Somerville Gamecocks there Going to be a great time. And again, guys, just stay tuned. Content will continue to bleed out of the eyeballs as we navigate throughout this week and count down the days to kick off. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday and enjoy this conversation with former USC defensive back Brian Elam. All right, guys, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show, he played for the Gamecocks for 1999 to 2002 during his career. He accumulated 37 total tackles, one fumble recovery, and one forced fumble. And, of course, he was part of some of the best defenses in school history, part of the Gamecocks football program that had the greatest turnaround in college football history from 1999 to 2000. Of course, part of two teams that won back-to-back Outback Bowls, beating Ohio State in consecutive seasons as well. Very pleased to be joined by former South Carolina defensive back and maybe more importantly, fellow <laughs> North Augusta alum, Brian Elam. Oh, Brian, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, no. Appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, like I said, I got to throw in the North Augusta stuff, man. Like I was telling oh, you yeah. all fair, we got to represent. We got to hold our own. Proud alumni. They know. Here. They yeah. know. They know. <laughs> Proud <laughs> alumni. But of course, again, you played your high school ball at North Augusta, Brian, which if people are not familiar, it's just an hour from Columbia, pretty close. But we grow up right there on the Savannah River. So I right. feel like we get it almost more from Georgia fans and, and Georgia people than we oh, do yeah. Clemson people. But I, I want to get to, you know, your career at North Augusta and obviously your recruitment. It was a really interesting time when you got on campus in Columbia. The Brad Scott era had just come to an end. Lou Holtz had taken over, uh, coming yeah. off a one in ten season. What was your recruitment like, and why'd you choose South Carolina? Uh, it was weird. Um, my older brother was at Clemson at the time, so my first love was like baseball. So uh, everybody thought I was going to end up playing baseball for Clemson, but uh, I got hurt going into my freshman year of high school. So my my actual getting recruited was crazy because I got hurt playing all-star baseball going from eighth to ninth grade. Um, 
going into high school, I was supposed to come in. Everybody's looking for me to come in and play varsity baseball. And um, I got hurt beating out a blunt down first baseline, popped my hip, and I didn't play sports for like two years. Hmm. So I was forgotten about. And then I came out my 11th grade year. Um, I actually, actually the end of my 10th grade year, spring of my 10th grade year, I came out and I tried out for the baseball team at North Augusta. Actually made the cut, but then I came to my dad. I was like, I think I just lost lost my love of baseball, you know. And so I went out for football my junior year. They didn't know me from anything. Hmm. Uh, kind of sat around, and I actually didn't play until my last four games of the season. And I got a scholarship that summer wow. at a football camp. Uh, it was a week-long football camp, Brad Scott camp. I came in. I was doing summer school because I was going to graduate early. Um, I was doing summer school and I could only stay for two days, one night. Uh, I came in, worked out, uh, did DBM receiver. Uh, I remember catching a slant on somebody or I, I think it was actually a post route in the camp and I was locking them down on defense. And I remember when I caught the post route, Brad Scott, uh, pulled me to the side, asked me my name, where I was from. And I was like, didn't think anything of it. And I came back, finished that day. I came home and I was talking to my best friend on the phone. And uh, <laughs> that's back when we had the wall phones, right. you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> my dad called me and was like, hey, hey, uh, Brad Scott's on the phone. You know, and so I was like, okay. I thought he was just thanking me for coming out. And I picked up the phone. He was like, uh, hey, you know, we really enjoyed having you up here. Um, you got some interest in speed. And I was like, you know, appreciate it. And he basically was like, um, I'll tell you what, we're going to get right to the chase. You know, I want to go ahead and offer you a scholarship because I think you're a diamond in the rough. And I want to get you for anybody else even knows about you. And I was and I was taken back because, you know, after being out of sports for like two years, you didn't really think college was really in your forecast. Um, you know, I was just trying to get on the field and uh, got offered my scholarship. And that just kind of changed the trajectory after that. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of came out. And so I was got so I was half recruited by Brad Scott and half recruited by Lou Holtz. Okay. You know, so when Brad Scott's era came during my uh the middle of my uh senior year because that's when they finished their season mm. he went out then that's when Lou Holtz came in and sure me he still wanted me and uh, I uh came on campus I as soon as I graduated I came up they wanted me to come up and be an impact right away so as soon as I graduated a week after I graduated I was in Columbia working mm. out with the team before even my freshman year started. So mm. yeah, it was, it's weird. So I actually got a scholarship off of four games. So it is possible. There you go. <laughs> it, it is possible. That's a crazy story. Now, now Brian, yeah. when you enter your collegiate career, you know, you, everybody has dreams, aspirations, big time goals. I'm sure never in your wildest dreams. Did you think <laughs> that you would be on an O and 11 football team? Um, looking back at that first year, I, I mean, just, just talk about again, the, the, I feel like fans, you know, we can look back at it now. And I feel like a lot yeah. of fans look back on that time with reverence, especially because if you look what happened after and the guys that, that stayed right. And went through that and endured that and, right. and, and persevered and found a way to turn it around. 
But the reality is this, South Carolina football lost 21 straight games, one in 21, 98, 99. And again, your first year on campus, again, you got all these expectations. I've talked to your former teammates like Eric Kemry and Langston Moore, and they were right there yeah. with you in the trenches. And it was I mean, dude, go, going 0-11, just a gut punch for anybody, no, no matter how positive and optimistic you are. Oh, yeah. And some of the new fans don't know. They uh, don't really know about that time. They just know the Spurrier and on. So, right. uh, but the real fans, they, they know about it. That's when the trajectory of, uh, you know, Carolina really got out there is, you know, we had to go through that. That was adversity, you know. And so uh, now with the NIL, I don't know, it's uh, in the transfer portal. <laughs> I don't think these new players really know about adversity, um, you know, back down. The way we grew up is, you know, whatever situation you're in, you just fight through it and find a way to get through it. So um, every era of football, especially at Carolina, every coach brought certain things to Carolina, mm. you know. And so um, whether it's a good or bad, they brought certain things. You know, with Lou Holtz, um, it was coming in off the one, one in 10 Brad Scott season. And so it was a lot of – when I got there – it seemed like it was a lot of like clicks. It was like Georgia boys, Florida boys, this and that. And so there wasn't really a real congealed team. Um, so I think what Brett with uh, Lou Holtz actually brought to Carolina during that time was, um, was kind of breaking everybody down. I mean, we had to go through that. That was that transition year. So we had to go through that first year, that 0 and 11. Hmm. And man, that was rough. That was practicing off of Bluff Road. No expensive uh, $50 million uh, um, athletic center. And so it was just it was just really grinding it out. And, man, if you really think about it, and I was talking to some uh, people about it. I talked a lot of fans about it. If you really look at that 0-11 season, we didn't really get blown out mm-hmm. in any of those games. We lost, like, maybe by a touchdown, two touchdowns. You know, we were right there in the thick of it, even in the 0-11. So it was 0-11, but it didn't really feel like it to us because we knew we were just a step away from winning these games, you know? And so I think we even lost to Florida that year. I think it was only by like maybe two touchdowns, I believe. Mm. And so, um, but it was, it was more of going through a 0 and 11 season and you look around and you still got players grinded it out. It makes you have more respect for your teammates because it's not fun. I mean, you got, People riding past, and you know, we was on Bluff Road, so people riding past, like, y'all suck. <laughs> you know, so, you know, you're hearing that while you practice, and you know, sometimes you're thinking, like, why are we still out here? But, you know, deep inside with each other, we knew that we were just a step away. We just needed to get some things fixed. So, um, I think that adversity year is what we really needed to get that uh, real dog in us. Mm. So, when we got, back to the next season next year. I mean, it was just like, once we, Lou Holtz broke us down. I mean, that that was the worst winter workouts like I ever went through. That was uh, <laughs> right at the 11 season. I mean, they broke us out. You know, we had Charlie Strong then. So it was like, we, they broke us down and made us do everything together, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that was Lou Holtz thing that he brought to Carolina was really getting us to get together as a unit. I mean, we did everything. It made us do all kind of trust uh, things together. And so it it really brought us together. The talent level was there, but it really brought us together and taught us how to really, mm. you know, really trust each other. 
Um, and then you got to think during the old 11 season, we weren't worrying about injuries then. I mean, so practices were hard, you know? And so you really, you really find out who really wanted to be there, you know, surprise. I mean, we're hitting all, all, you know, cause it's like our season was gone. So you might as well get better for next year. So, um, I think that was a necessary evil for us to go through that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and 11. And then the players that went through the one in 21, I mean, that was, no, I know that had to be hard for them, you know. Yeah. So, and, yeah, and then I was going to say, Brian, to just you know go through that, but to also turn it around, have the greatest oh, turnaround yeah. in college football history, <laughs> and to win back to back Outback Bowls, and and to be a part of that, you know, you you never you feel like you never take for granted winning, right? Like, there's this misconception oh, yeah. that winning gets old, you know, for like teams like Bama or those that go undefeated, but it's like winning, nah, never, it's winning never gets old. But oh, yeah. I, I feel like you probably have a new level of. <laughs> Uh, of just an appreciation and a gratitude for the winning and, and when the hard work pays off. And again, I'd love to hear you speak to again, winning those just back-to-back outback bowls and being part of those teams. I just imagine after going through what you went through, the highs had to be so high after you literally endured the lowest point you possibly could. Right. Um, what it was, was like I said, the way our first season went, well, our first season, my freshman year, um, that 0 and 11, we were never really out of the games like that. And so deep inside, we already knew we could, but it was like when we started winning that next year, it was kind of like what we knew what was supposed to happen was happening. We didn't take it for granted, but it was just like, we worked hard for this. We know how hard we worked during, you know, spring workouts and winter workouts during the summer. We're, you know, off the field, even away from practice. We're still working together. We're doing seven on seven against each other without the coaches, you know, just really testing each other. And it was an iron shopper and iron type situation. And that's what I think Carolina's, uh, we're starting to get back to that now, but that's our, you know, in Carolina, we're not, you know, just, it, you just think about the state. We're not a flashy state. Mm. We're a hardworking state. You know, we're blue collar pull yourself up by your bootstraps type type state. That's how we are. And we're not flashy. We're not a Atlanta or New York, anything like that. So I think that, you know, translate to the players and the team that we have. We're not a flashy team. We're not the Florida States. We're not all that. We're a hard nose. Come, you're going to know you're in a dog fight when you play us, you know, uh, whichever way it is, we're going to give it our all. <clears throat> and that's how it was there. We went through, our second season and we started winning, it was more looking at each other like, okay, we know we can do this. Now let's see how, you know, taking one game at a time, like they're just players just like us. So we're going to come out and give them everything we got and see where the chips lay, you know, and that's how we played. It was um, practice was like that. So actually the games became easy because we played. I mean, Charlie Strong was a, Hell of a defensive coordinator, man. He, our first nine periods of just hitting. I mean, we didn't even think about hitting. We hit so much in practice. When we got in a game, it was just a natural reaction. We didn't think, I don't care if it's a pulling lineman and you're a, a defensive back, you're going to go hit him and make the tackle. And so it, you just didn't think about it because we got to hit on Pinnock all game. <laughs> we had to hit Pinnock all practice. So, I mean, who can, who can forget the t shirt? Shut up and hit somebody. During the yeah, Lou Holtz that's era. All it was. That's all we did. And <laughs> we were blue collar, man. We just go out there, execute and hit, you know, and have fun. And that that was a level. And it was more of it felt good to give it to the fans. 
because they were there with us on 11 and the stadium was still packed, you know? And so they were there through thick and thin. Um, and so when we start winning, it felt good as far as delivering that to the fans to see that all that they were stood behind us for us in the lowest point to see that actually come to fruition. You know, so that was a beautiful thing. And it was beautiful for us, but it's more seeing the fans and the whole Gamecock nation just finally getting elevated, you know. And so um, that was a, a great feeling for us, just turn it around. And um, actually, when I, uh, where I work at now, <laughs> uh, our um, corporate office is in, uh, is in Ohio, and they're all Ohio State people. So I love it every day I find a chance to get them by back so never um, lost to him never lost to him. oh yeah but i think you know when we take that to heart like i said a lot of people did forget about the turnaround of carolina you know and um but i think what it does is uh by us turn around everything like that it just felt like we changed the trajectory of carolina yeah football yeah, for, for sure and, and yeah i mean gamecocks football couldn't have gotten to the heights it got to you know, under Steve Spurrier, I fully believe that. Like you're saying, you build a program and you and you stack those. You, you know, you lay the foundation, you stack the bricks, you stack the levels on top, and and certainly Shane Beamer is trying to do that now and build. And obviously, again, you speak a lot on Gamecock football right now. And before I get you out of here, I definitely want to touch on that. Your your overall thoughts on just what Shane Beamer's building? You overachieve in year one. He just spoke at SEC Media Days today as we're speaking, and there's a lot of hype and buzz around USC. It's just year two, but there's a lot of hype and buzz what he's doing, and I think bringing that energy and that excitement back to South Carolina football. Oh, yeah, and we got to talk about the TikTok video. <laughs> yeah, dude, the soldier boy. Oh, Incredible. Man. How can oh, you not? Yeah. How can you not love Beamer? How can you not? Oh, man, I started jumping up at work. I was hyped. I started, I'm ready for the season start now. I mean, it's just um, – as far as him, like I, like I said before, each coach – brought things to Carolina that were needed. And mm -hmm. um, Lou was the necessary uh, that we needed. And then when Spurrier came, it taught, the you know, Carolina to actually interject money into the program, mm -hmm. you know? So with Shane Beamer, I think what it is and we and what I was seeing in our coaching selections, we were finding coaches kind of at the end of the road mm -hmm. um, that they didn't really have the enthusiasm of a young coach to really, you know, be hands-on and, and relate to the players like that. And I think we had that in Shane Beamer. That is what we needed. We've been kind of chasing, I would, I don't like to say ghosts, but you know, it's it's coaches, you gotta think, you know, Spurs kind of at the end of his thing. He was here to kind of get some things, but you know, he walked off. It was, it was he's done so much, it wasn't, it doesn't give you that passion mm. as a, a young coach. And when when Beamer came in, we went to go meet him. First thing he said was, "This is his. This was his dream, uh, dream job, you know." And I and he said that with conviction, like you know, he's one that really wanted to be here, not for a check, mm -hmm. but wanted to be here. Really believes in it, and you can tell by, uh, you know, the way the players react to him, uh, the way that the city Gamecock nations react to him. He he really and it's delivering. We saw the you know the change in the way we were playing last year, mm -hmm. you know. And I've been, you know, pay attention to spring workouts and everything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I've been looking at the, at our, uh, our schedule and I'm, I'm seeing uh, if we play the way we play or supposed to play, man, I, I could see easily a nine, 10 win season. 
Easily. Brian, Brian Elam on the record, nine or ten win right. season. I'm talking, I see it, I see it, but uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what he's doing. He's relating to the players. You need that. Um, some of the issues, like even when we were there at Carolina, we were there with Lou Holtz. Like I say, he did some great things, but some things he just wasn't able to relate to the players were, and it caused a lot of friction. It caused uh, a rip in my trajectory as a player because me and him never really did hit it off like that. Um, but it was just due through, he just couldn't understand where we were coming from, you know, as players. And I think Shane Beaver is able to connect to these players and that's why they're able to, you know, um, really congeal to him. And you can see that they're, you know, ready to run through a wall for him. And that's what you need as a coach. And that's what Gamecock Nation needed right now. Yeah, yeah man, we're all pumped for kickoff for year two of Beamer and, uh, and I think it's beer ball to the moon for sure. Brian, I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Let's definitely do it again soon. For Brian Elam, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. Yeah.